0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And today, the conversation will be, I don't just, I think it'll be a little unconventional. You know, every day we talk about Romans 12.2 and the impact on our lives in the workplace. Remember that Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So really what you hear there is the way me, the way I, the way you as a Christ follower in business should be acting is unconventional. And if you were to write a book about maybe running a business in that way. According to Romans twelve two, you might call it unconventional business. Well, Rick Box with the Integrity Resource Center, he did just that. Rick Box, welcome to I Work For Him.
1: Hey, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on the air today.
0: I didn't know if you'd put all that together, so I thought in my intro I would just help you with that to make sure you know, that, that you knew that that Bible verse drove your entire book. It was just my idea.
1: <laughs> That's excellent.
0: You know, when I when I read your book and we'll get to that in a second, but when I read your book, I was just inspired because it was it it, it reminded me back to the classic by Larry Burkett, written in nineteen ninety-nine called Business by the Book. Yours was kind of a two thousand and sixteen version of that, but it reminded me of the simplicity of incorporating the gospel and everything we do it with intentionality, but also just the fact that our businesses should be businesses with excellence. But before we get to your book, I really want to just hear What's the Lord doing in your life today? I I love asking this question of my guests. How have you seen the Lord being involved in the intimate details of your life?
1: Mm, That's a great question, Jim. And uh, this season in my life has particularly been uh, interesting. We've had uh, a year within the ministry of just a lot of... uh, surprised uh, personnel changes and challenges that uh, we weren't expecting. And so it it just kind of sets you back on your heels some. And so you have to draw really close to God and try and walk through and understand what He's doing. And He's just kind of shown me that this is a season of, of pruning and uh, but pruning brings much greater fruit and i feel like we're already seeing that effect from some of the things that we've gone through and the adjustments that we've made but it's just uh it's a season that i've been uh, i felt led to dive into the story of david for the 15 years after he was anointed by Samuel to be king, and for 15 years Saul chased him, trying to kill him. And so just imagine the desolate time that was and how confusing it must have been. And so I've been steeped in that study lately because it just really speaks to my heart that whenever you're going through a a tough season and it doesn't make sense, God was faithful there for David every step of the way, saved him from Saul on multiple occasions in profound and distinct ways. And uh, so that's just an encouragement for me, and that's kind of uh, some of the things the Lord's uh, speaking to me about and doing in my life.
0: Well, really, when you look at those 15 years between when David was anointed and when David finally became king, you talk about years of adversity. And mm-hmm. David was already a man who was very intimate with the Lord, even as a 16-year-old. Yes. But the Lord needed him even closer. And I believe he used adversity in his life to draw him closer. What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. And uh, that that whole section of Scripture has really been speaking to me, in particular here right now, because we just celebrated our 15th year anniversary for the ministry, and uh, there's been those seasons when it's just felt like adversity and uh, challenges that you don't always understand, but uh, God is faithful and God is using those seasons to, to groom us and to shape us for the future.
0: Yeah, and, and you look at those years, and you're like, Lord, what are you thinking? I mean, come on, can we get a get a little? Can you just cry uncle for a little bit? Okay, really, can you take it? So, the people listening today, most days, I'm not sure today because we've got a Mark 8:29 moment, and sometimes you guys go back and forth between Integrity Resource moments and or Integrity moments and Mark 8:29 moments on the I Work for Him radio program. But why don't you reintroduce people to what the Integrity Resource Center is all about?
1: Sure. Well, we are a a nonprofit ministry, and we're really dedicated to training and equipping leaders to do business God's way. And we have a, a huge vision. God's given us this huge vision of seeing over a million leaders Equipped to be able to do business in, in a biblical manner in a way that would be pleasing and honoring to God. And so we, uh, we are a resource center. We're a hub that people can come and get connected with resources. They can get connected to other ministries, other organizations, uh, books, you know, teaching. We also do events. Uh, We do quarterly uh, lunch events in Kansas City, St. Louis, and Des Moines area, and we're looking at uh, a few other markets right at the moment. And we uh, have a daily radio program that's just a short vignette called Integrity Moments that's on about 260 radio stations. So we're all about just trying to equip people to understand their calling in the marketplace and how they live it out in a way that God might be honored.
0: All right, so on your website, there's some great resources. I want to make sure people know that these resources are out there. So before we get talking about the book, I want to make sure people understand what Integrity Resource Center is all about. So you've got uh, these integrity moments that people have heard on my show many, many, many times, and you do those on a daily basis. You've got fire assessments. What are those assessments uh, that are on your website?
1: Yes, you know, we developed a uh, free self-assessment tool for both uh, people, that are uh, workers in the uh, workplace, but also for employers. And FIRE is an acronym that we use that stands for Faith, Integrity, Relationships, and Excellence. And so people can take this uh, assessment And it's going to gauge for them and show them how well they're actually doing at living out and modeling their faith in the workplace in these different areas uh, under the fire assessment. And so it's it's a free tool. It's a great place for them to go and just kind of get a snapshot of how well am I really doing in this.
0: And I think it's fantastic to be able to do that assessment, because if you could do that every six months, maybe, it would really Mm -hmm. start to gauge the impact that you're allowing the Lord to make through you on your workplace as you're listening to I Work For Him on a daily basis and as you're really praying for, you know, I challenge Rick people every day to join the I Work For Him nation to look for ways to start praying for all the people that they work alongside on a day-to-day basis and look for ways to serve people and look for ways to befriend people, look for ways to pray and with people, but all along being people of excellence. And so your fire assessment and the challenge to join the I Work for AM Nation work side by side because we're trying to get everybody like you and me who are in the workplace to just start intentionally connecting what we do on Monday through Friday to connect that to what we're learning on Sunday.
1: Absolutely. It's so critical for people to connect the dots so that they're not walking through life less than fulfilled the way that God would wish them to be.
0: So talk to you about this book, Unconventional Business. What what caused you to write this, this book? You, it's not your first book that you've written. We've talked about your other books in the past. But what caused you to write this book, Unconventional Business?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier Business by the Book. And uh, when Larry Burkett wrote that many, many years ago, It was one of the few primers out there about how to do business God's way, and it was mainly focused on the why. It was really all about the biblical foundation as to why you should do that. And I used to teach uh, Larry's Business by the Book seminar around the country, and at the end of the day, I would have people say to me things like, okay, now I understand why I should do this, but can you tell me how? And so my desire was is really to write a how-to book to be able to help people have the practical understanding of, okay, what principles in the Bible are we talking about, and how might I apply those practically to those everyday decisions I have to make in my business. And so that really just was in my heart to provide a tool for people to be able to do that. And so unconventional business came out of that.
0: So are you going to, are you thinking, Hey, maybe I should go on the road and do seminars for unconventional business then too, just like you did for business by the book.
1: Uh, sure, we're, we're trying to do some workshops and trying to use the material in other ways as well, uh, just to be able to get it out there, because there is so much practical information in there, and, and we're excited that the feedback that we're getting from the book, I've been teaching a series in one of the large churches here in Kansas City the last few weeks, and You know, boy, I had a a guy that was probably 70 years old still working in his business that uh, after the first week, he came back and he'd read quite a bit of the book and he said, I sure wish somebody would have given this to me 50 Mm -hmm. years ago. It would have saved me a lot of heartache.
0: Oh, and that I agree. I agree. I'm thinking you ought to be working on volume two right now because it, it <laughs> is it, it is a struggle, and just like in '99, when one of the things when I when I read Larry's book, and it was in the late 2000s, so probably 2008, 2009. So it was about ten years uh, past when he wrote it, and five or six years after he'd actually died, was. That was a great book, but you look at how business has changed from two from ninety nine till today mm-hmm. with the with the internet. I mean, business today is radically different in yes. this in this world than it was when Larry was writing that book probably in ninety eight and ninety nine. I mean the internet was still an unknown quantity on how the business how businesses could really take advantage of it. It, it wasn't I mean, nobody even knew what Amazon was in ninety nine. Right. So talk to me about who this book is for? I mean, is this for the guy, it, it, th- somebody thinking about starting up a new business, or is this for somebody that's in a, a, a business all, already? Is this for a guy with a, a ten million dollar business or a, a five million dollar business? Or I mean, who's this? Who's this book for?
1: You know, it's really designed for kind of the leaders of small to medium-sized business. And whenever I say leaders, they don't necessarily have to be the, the owner or the CEO, because especially in smaller businesses, if you have a business with 10 employees or less, every single one of those people have to be a leader, because you have to wear so many hats in a small business. And so it's really designed to help People just understand and grapple with what does God's Word say and compare it. And the reason for the title of unconventional business is, you know, the world tells us all kinds of ways to do business. You know, the world will tell us, pursue the money and the glory. But the Bible says God has a plan and a purpose for us, and he wants us to pursue his plan and his purpose. And so there's a lot of uh, conventional ways to do business. This book is designed to help small, medium-sized business leaders actually do it unconventionally in alignment with God's Word.
0: The struggles of the small business owner in the United States of America today, with the, I mean, it, the the environment has changed. I mean, it, and there's a lot of things that have impacted it. Healthcare costs have absolutely impacted the small business owner. But there's a lot of different things. The economy's just not. It's not chugging along. It's uh, it's kind of creeping along. And there, and there's a lot of, a lot of people are going. Well, what what's the solution? But what your what your book focuses on is. Why did God give me a business in the first place? And how can I be a good steward of that business? Mm -hmm. What are the steps I can take to be a good steward? That's a huge deal. Because a lot of people, they're not not hearing a lot of this elsewhere. That's why this book is so powerful.
1: Right. Yeah, and and I think, Jim, that uh, so many people walk through life without realizing the purpose that God has for them. And even if they're in the right vocation, they can oftentimes feel so empty and so unfulfilled. I mean, a recent example that we saw here recently in the Olympics was Michael Phelps. The last time around, he had so much success, and afterwards his life went in the ditch. I mean, he was just having all kinds of personal problems. And finally, somebody gave him a copy of Rick Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Life book, and he ended up turning to God and coming back this time to the Olympics. It's, it's for a different reason and a different purpose. And so I'm sure it was a lot more meaningful to him. And that's what we would wish for everyone, is, is God has a purpose for the work that you do. And if you understand that purpose and you engage in it, then, boy, life is so much more meaningful.
0: It really does allow us to understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, hey, I came that you might have life and live it to the fullest. And that's what, I mean, that's the powerful part behind that is I came that you might have life. And if we can understand doing business God's way, all of a sudden life makes a lot more sense. Here's my question for you, Rick. You're dealing with small to medium-sized business owners. You're, You're dealing with guys that are... They, they are guys and gals that are wearing multiple hats, I mean, lots of hats to run their business. How do you get them to sit still and get away from working in the business to actually work on the business? Well, you, you find any keys to that? Because that's a, that's a plague that plagues almost all these small business owners.
1: Oh, it sure does. And you have to find ways for them to pull away. And preferably if they can get, you know, plugged in with some other, people that are like-minded that they can uh hang out with and talk about some of these things maybe they you know pick up a copy of the book and they discuss it in a in a group setting with some other people that are in their same place then they can start building some accountability and they can start uh stepping away from the day-to-day emergencies that take so many people away from actually fulfilling the bigger purpose as to what they're wanting to accomplish. And so we we do things in the book like uh, uh, there's a chapter on developing a ministry plan. You know, almost all businesses have either a strategic plan or they have a marketing plan or they have a technology plan. But how many companies have ever paused to think about, well, what if I had a ministry plan? How would I minister to my employees? How might I minister to my community? And so it's just a great way for people to to step back and take a look at the big picture.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And a ministry plan. How many businesses have a ministry plan? Rick is an author. He's a leader. He's a consultant. And he's got a heart and a passion for working with small business owners, Christian small business owners, to help them grow a business God's way. And he wrote a book that goes right along with what I almost every day open up with, Romans 12. Two, which says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, conventional wisdom, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, unconventional wisdom. So he wrote this book, Unconventional Business, and it is, in my opinion, the one-and-done reference manual for a godly small business. Rick, as you wrote this book, it had to be a lot of fun to pull together all the stories and pull together the details, and realize, wow, the Lord has given you a tool to be able to give to you know a million Christian small business owners.
1: Yes, it really was, and, and the uh, part of the fun was is weaving the story of Nehemiah throughout this book because Nehemiah, I think, is one of the best leadership books you could ever read. It's just incredible, the principles that flow out of the book of Nehemiah whenever you read about this great leader that, you know, that left Babylon to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And then when that was completed, God showed up in such a miraculous way that they had an amazing revival that they all signed up and signed a covenant with God, that they were going to begin doing business differently. And so all through the book, we've woven the story of Nehemiah into the, the principles that we try and teach in this book. And so it's, it's a lot of fun just to share those thoughts with people.
0: Well, and, and a lot of people don't aren't familiar with the story of Nehemiah. And, and there's a whole book on it right in the, in the middle of the bible but there you know but nehemiah wasn't a business guy I mean he was the cupbearer to the king right so yeah. he didn't he didn't have his own small business but he had a heart and passion for his country which he had never visited because he was That's born right. in captivity right. so how how do you how and and what you're doing with nehemiah I've seen it done before. I mean, a lot of people look at Nehemiah as a fantastic leadership manual because of how he got the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt in 49 days under great adversity. So right. what what was it about Nehemiah's character that said, I want to model my book and track his character and his accomplishments in my book?
1: You know, I would say one of the, the reasons why is, is whenever I started this ministry, Jim, I... Uh, planted myself in the book of Nehemiah, and especially the story of these people having a changed heart. And uh, there's one thing that really jumped out of that story that I've rarely heard anybody teach on, but what really spoke to me was here they had this great project of rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem and I've I've been there I've seen where those walls would have been built and with today's earth moving equipment you wouldn't be able to finish this job as fast as Nehemiah did but Nehemiah finished it but it says whenever the walls were finished all of the surrounding enemies trembled with fear because they knew that God had done it. They knew that that could have only happened with God. But what goes on to happen is, is Ezra had been there for 12 years trying to create a spiritual revival with very little success. And now the people see God show up in their physical labor of building this wall. And Nehemiah wisely looks to Ezra and says, okay, now, Now's the time to pull out the Word of God. And Ezra reads from the Word of God and we read that everyone fell on their knees weeping before the Lord as they began repenting from hearing the Word of God. Now, I've been in a lot of churches and I've heard a lot of great sermons, but I've never seen the entire congregation fall on their knees weeping but these people did and i believe it's because they had suddenly connected the spiritual aspect to the physical aspect of their work and seen and when they saw god show up in that It changed their hearts so much that they were willing to sign a written covenant with God saying, we are going to do things differently. We are going to turn back to you. And that is so exciting to me that I just feel like that story needs to be told over and over again, and the principles from his life need to be shared.
0: And really just summarizing that, you know, what you just said is that people saw the hand of the Lord in their work. And that's what we talk about every day, trying to get people to recognize that everybody's got a calling and it doesn't matter what the calling is their calling is a high calling, and it's a calling to the workplace where their workplace is their mission field. And in their mission field, they may be the only Jesus their coworkers and employees may ever meet, and that's significant. And that's really what the Lord showed up in Nehemiah's project, and he shows up at Integrity Resource Center, and I work for him. And you know, Bob's plumbing right down the street. I mean, he shows up because he loves to be given glory in excellent work.
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: In your book, you decided, you broke it up into five pieces. You have five keys to growing a business God's way. You've got God-centered planning, leadership preparation, cultivating and maturing your team, growing the top line, and enhancing the bottom line. You know, a lot of guys could have 10 steps or 12 steps or three steps. You chose five. Why those five?
1: You know, it just flowed. To me, as I looked at Nehemiah's life and some of the steps that he took uh, in this journey, and I thought about what's that typical business person need to address, and what wisdom do they need from the Word of God? And to me, a lot of people overlook planning, even though Proverbs twenty-one five teaches, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty come surely to poverty. And so I felt like planning was critical, even though a lot of people overlook that. Leadership preparation is really about us. I mean, we can't be great leaders unless we first develop our own character and begin leading in a way that others will want to follow. And then as you build a team, you've got to cultivate and mature a team around you that will actually form a culture for your organization that would be pleasing to God. And then, actually, I put fourth and fifth the things that a lot of people are going to start with, typically, is growing the top line. I mean, many people in business, that's all they want to talk about is, you know, sales. You know, how much can I grow my sales? And so it's not first on my list, because I don't think that it is the first priority, but it's certainly critical And so growing the top line is important, but also then finally enhancing the bottom line so that people understand uh, finances and they understand how do I manage this business that God's blessed me with in a way that I'm a good steward, but I also do it unconventionally so that uh, God's pleased.
0: And we're talking today with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. You can find out more online at integrityresource.org, integrityresource.org. Today we're highlighting his book, Unconventional Business, released just this year by Rick Box. And it's not B-O-X, B-O-X-X. And you'll get a link to that website and his new book on our Facebook page right after the show. Just go out to Facebook and just search for I Work For Him. That's I work, the number four, him.com. Rick, let's get started talking about gods centered planning. Why is planning so important?
1: Well, I think just like, you know, the proverb I just mentioned, God has made it clear to us that there's value in planning. However, we do need to realize that it needs to be God-centered, because there's a whole lot of leaders that go and come back and claim they had a mountaintop experience with this great, big, huge goal, and it's almost always either sales or profit-driven. But God wants to give us His plan and His purposes for the business that we've had. You know, many uh, years ago, I read an article in a, a Christian business magazine that I was just amazed by. And this was uh, written by the former CEO of uh, Lenscrafter, the eyeglass uh, people. And he talked about in this article how when he first joined on there as CEO, he was telling his people, we just need to crank out more eyeglasses and make more money. And that was kind of his purpose. But then he ended up getting a, a different view.
0: Rick, why don't you give people a 30-second on this book?
1: Yes, I mean, it's, there's five keys to growing a business God's way, and it really is about doing it unconventionally in alignment with the Bible, because we believe the Bible is the best and the most reliable business guidebook you could ever find and so that we just think this uh this book will help you understand how to apply practically those biblical principles into the work that god's called you to do
0: rick you were telling us great story well, i asked you the question before the break why is planning so important in a business and it seems like an answer that should just be a no-brainer yet i am constantly amazed at how few small business owners and medium business owners Take time to plan when they do their business, and so planning is really important. You were talking about a, a story of the guy that took over LensCrafters.
1: Yes, and you know, and I was trying to emphasize the importance of having a God-centered plan rather than just something that man creates. And this the story was an illustration of that because the former CEO of LensCrafter claimed that uh, when he first took over. He just told his people, we need to crank out more eyeglasses because it will make us more money. You know, end of story. And that's the common story and the conventional approach in business. But he went away on a weekend retreat with his church, and he spent time studying the actual healings of Jesus. And if you recall in the Gospels, many times Jesus was healing the blind. Well, that really spoke to this man since he was in the eyeglass business. And the Lord spoke to his heart that weekend and virtually told him, I didn't send you to LensCrafter just to make a lot of eyeglasses. I sent you to LensCrafter to give sight to people that are having trouble seeing. Just that simple purpose recalibration completely changed the nature of the business and he went back and called in all of his managers told them this new insight and said our purpose is really to bring sight to those having trouble seeing and to get that across to all of our staff In every city that we have a store, I want you to pick one day a year that you're going to go to a local homeless shelter, and I want your whole team there fitting people with eyeglasses at the homeless shelter at no charge because our people need to understand we have a higher calling. That revolutionized their business, and it really engaged his team, and he found over time that the turnover in that business plummeted because people loved working for some place that had meaning.
0: That's planning. That's amazing. And a lot of... It's amazing how great it is to have a little bit of quiet time. And as you said, he went away on a retreat and he got some quiet time. Just reading your book, it, it helped me clarify some of the things with iWork for him, uh, some of my core values and my mission statement and my vision statement, uh, just a clarification because I hadn't done it for a couple of years. And I loved that because it was the quiet time of working through your book that brought that to my mind. So it, planning is so important. All right, the next step, the, the second key was leadership preparation. Why do we need to be in training as leaders? We're leaders. We we got it figured out already.
1: <laughs> well, because we're all fallen leaders,
0: and we're all going
1: to mess up, and we need to know when we're messing up. And so we need to do it with integrity. We need to do it with excellence. And let's face it, if you're not doing it with integrity or excellence, the people that are supposed to be following you, They may not be following you, or worse yet, they may be following you and your bad example. And so it's critical that we lead well first and that we understand what does integrity look like from God's perspective? What does excellence look like from God's perspective? And how are we going to embrace that and do it in a way that people around us are going to take notice and say, wow, that person's really different. He's really doing this the right way. And then your people that work for you will want to follow in those footsteps.
0: Well, and you put in there also just helping people understand priorities, but you've got at the end of the section on the uh, on leadership preparation, you say, okay, here's here's, five, here's four steps that can help you lead with integrity. Study the Bible regularly, make an unwavering commitment to God, uh, and then to flee temptation, and develop and rely on accountability on an accountability team, those are keys. Those are huge keys. Keeping God at the center, giving God your first hour of the day, as 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 Buck Jacob said, "Hey, listen, it's a 23-hour day. The first hour is God's." And, mm-hmm. and, and to keep that, but then to have that accountability, those are some huge things. T- leadership training, monstrously huge. All right, your 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 third key is cultivating and maturing your team. Why? Why is it so? Why is that a key? I mean, they're they're just team members, right? <laughs>
1: well, and I, I've known a lot of people that have uh, treated their staff as just a uh, a resource that you use up, spit them out, and go find a new one whenever they're not working out any longer. But God has called us to be shepherds over the people that he's placed in our care. And we should treat them like servant leaders. We should treat them like a shepherd would treat uh, their sheep and their flock, that you want to care for them. You want to uh, see the best for them. And so if we want to cultivate and help a team really grow in who they are, we want the best for them, even if they take that information and later go on to work for someone else, or maybe even work as a competitor to you. I think we have to trust God with the results, but we want the best for them, and we want to train them up accordingly. And so that means we need to do a great job of hiring the right people. We need to uh, train the people once we've hired them, and we need to help hold them accountable to the, the policies and procedures and the, uh, the vision and the values that we have for the organization. And so it's just important that we work on those team members, help them understand what our desire is for the culture of that organization and how they're a, a major part of that and what we expect of them.
0: Mm. It's so well said. We're talking today with Rick Box from the Integrity Resource Center. You can find out more about him online at integrityresource.org. I'd like to thank Barbara for calling in from Tampa. She won the book today, Unconventional Business. The rest of our listeners today can go out to integrityresource.org and get yourself a copy. This is a book that if you're running a small business, you're owning a small business, you're thinking about starting a business, this is a great handbook on here's how I get started, here's what I do. It touches on every piece you need to contemplate before you get going. And if you're already going, it touches on every piece you need to touch in order to make sure that it's really doing it the way God wants you to do it. You know, the cultivating of employees, there's no better example in the world than how Jesus cultivated the disciples.
1: Hmm. Absolutely,
0: and, and you you talk about you know cultivating your the culture. I mean, Jesus, he developed servant leaders. He he taught them the culture to operate within. He equipped them heavily. He compensated them with eternal rewards, but he, he in three and a half years he turned those guys from average people to being eleven guys plus Paul who changed the world.
1: Yes, isn't it incredible that when we look back through the lens of today and we can see the billions of people that were impacted by that small handful of disciples and how Jesus poured into them, it's its just remarkable. And I think that gives us hope that if we spend some time, invest time, in the people that God has called to be in our place of business then we also can raise up people that can do some remarkable
0: things. Uh, and it really, it's that investment in people. When, you, when your people know that you love them, they will do amazing things for you. When they know they mm. are loved, when they know they are appreciated. All right, key number four is growing the top line. People are going, finally, we're going to talk about money. You know, well, <laughs> I mean, really, because you know, marketing, excellence, and sales. Do businesses really not focus on these things? They absolutely do focus on these things, but a lot of times they do it without planning.
1: Right. They do it without planning, and they also do it without God because they're driven to get more sales, more dollars, more volume. And my my take on it in this book was there's a lot of people that are much better marketers and salespeople than I'll ever be. But I wanted to really challenge people to think about why they're doing what they're doing, and the way that they're going about that, so that they look at it unconventionally. They look at it through the lens of Scripture. And so in this book, we're challenging people to think about, okay, the world tells you, go get that sale no matter what it takes. If you have to lie, cheat, whatever it is, you've got to beat out the competition. You've got to land that deal. Well, that's not God's way at all. If we truly, sincerely believe that God is sovereign, then we need to realize that our competitors are also children of God, and we may not get every single deal because God may be directing it to provide for his children in other businesses. Or God may be protecting us because he loves us and he knows that company's not somebody you want to be doing business with. And so we really need to be God-centered as well when we think about sales and marketing. But that means we need to do it in a way that we're willing to tell the truth and be known as a person of integrity. And it will pay dividends for the reputation of the business, and it will allow you to have peace to be able to sleep at night, knowing that you've treated people fairly.
0: Now, we'll we'll finish this conversation up after the break. But let's talk about enhancing the bottom line. There's there's seven keys to financial success, success along with crushing debt, learning to give generosity. What, what are some of the big key things here on enhancing the bottom line? Give us one, and we'll go to break. Well,
1: I mean, just managing um, the different aspects financially, and so it's a practical guide for us to be able to understand what are the ratios we need to be tracking, what's the information that we need.
0: Yeah, so huge. Rick, as we're closing out the show, the fifth key was enhancing the bottom line, and and, and those are some people are like, okay, great, I want to I improve my profitability. What are some of the things people can do to improve their profitability?
1: You know, first they need to understand their financial condition. Unfortunately, most small business people are either technicians or salespeople and they're not financially oriented. And so they just kind of ignore that piece. And I'm, and I never expect anybody to become an accountant, but they do have to get a handle on what are the key areas. And so we've got a chapter on seven keys to financial success so that you're managing just seven formulas, seven ratios that if you stay on top of those, you're going to understand what's going well, what isn't going well, because Jesus told us that he wanted us to be good and faithful servants and we need to uh manage what he gives us and manage it well. And so you need people around you that understand finances and you need to learn yourself just enough so that you know when you're in trouble and you need to seek out even deeper help whereas most people just kind of overlook it and stick their head in the sand because they they don't understand finances and they don't want to.
0: You know, one of the other things that you mentioned in there was in there was learning to focus on your generosity, learning to focus on being intentional with that part of that ministry plan and then generosity. How does generosity help enhance the bottom line?
1: <laughs> well, it's one of those um mystical things about scripture that, uh, you you know, Jesus had so many paradoxes that he taught, and one of them is generosity, that it it makes sense that if you give money away, that hurts your bottom line. But reality is, in God's economy, if you actually are generous and you're open-handed and you're giving to God's causes, then somehow, incredibly, in God's way, he lets you reap what you've sowed, and he sends things your way that you can never count on. And so generosity is an important factor that many people overlook, and once again, it's one of those unconventional ways that just doesn't make sense to the world, because it just looks like it's money going out the door, but somehow God can shovel a whole lot more in the door when he when he sees that you're generous.
0: And that is it's so true. It's such an amazing paradox when you look at the more it just the lord it's the only math equation that doesn't make sense 100 minus 10 still equals 100 that's the <laughs> equation of, that's the equation of tithing hey, 100% of what you need minus 10% of what the lord asks you to trust him with still equals 100% of what you need and and right. and, and that's the same concept inside business Rick, I- I'm sorry, but we're, we're out of time. This has been an amazing conversation. We easily could have gone, like, I think we could talk about this five days because we could hit a day with each one of the keys, and we're going to have to do that in the future. We're going to have to hit some more of these in the future. But thank you so much for coming on iWork for him. Thanks so much for this great book, Unconventional Business, and the work that you do at the Integrity Resource Center. Thank you, Rick Box.
1: Thanks, Jim, for what you're doing.
0: All right, see you later. You can find out more about Rick Box and Unconventional Business and the Integrity Resource Center online at integrityresource.org, integrityresource.org. Now, I want to thank you for tuning in today as we broadcast across the nation and around the world, challenging each one of us to recognize that what we learn on Sunday really does apply to what we do Monday through Friday. We're going to turn this nation upside down, but we're not going to do it through I don't know, a revolt. We're going to do it through prayer and bringing our faith to our workplaces and letting people know that they are loved by our Heavenly Father and they can see that through us. You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio program with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for Him.